1: Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh my Sets god, deep to right field. Way up there!
0: They're gonna wave him in. I don't believe it! My oh my! And look who's coming up. You've got to be kidding me. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it.
2: Okay, quavo.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Payoff Pitch, the Action Network's MLB betting podcast. It is Friday, June 17th. We come to you every Tuesday and Friday during the season, breaking down the day's slate and more. I'm Colin Witcher, senior editor at Action Network, joined as usual by senior writer Sean Zarillo. We have a 16-game slate today. The Phillies Nationals have a doubleheader. That's an interesting day. I'm wondering if we're going to be talking about a lot of totals. There are 11 games. I count 11 games, Sean, where the wind is going to be 10 plus miles an hour and six of those 11. It's blowing out. So totals are going to be the theme of the day, at least for me. But let's jump right into it with our matchups of the day. First one, AL East rivalry, two of the big heavyweights gunning for the division titles, Yankees and Blue Jays. Jordan Montgomery against Ross Stripling, 7.07 p.m. And the game is basically a toss-up right now by Vegas. Both teams at minus 110 or thereabouts. Total set at 9.5. Zarilla, where are you going with
2: this one? Yeah, I don't know how much the Jays are even gunning to the division at this point. Yankees have opened up a 10-game lead on them because they just seem to never lose, even in these coin flip games like last night. I bet the Jays here in the first five innings. I'm going to wait a little bit to see if I can get a better price in their full game line, but I like their first five line of minus 112. Russ Tripling is showing his best metrics since the 2019 season. He's not walking anybody. Uh, all of his expected indicators are a touch under three and a half. For Jordan Montgomery, he's about a quarter of a run higher across the board. He's having a good season as well. It's really the handedness splits. The Jays against the lefties, the Yankees against righties. I project the Jays offense about a third of a run better per game against lefties than I do righties and against this Yankees offense relative to what they would do against right handed pitching. So handedness splits, give me the Jays first five value at even money. I like it up to minus 112, as I said, and then I'm going to wait for a slightly better price on the full game line. But I also bet the understeer, the full game under nine and a half, you could bet that down to nine at even money. And then the first five under five, you could bet to minus 108. I projected these totals closer to 8.75 and 4.75 respectively. So the Jays and the under for me.
1: Yeah, I was a little surprised to see the line open at close to a pickem. Thought there'd be value on Toronto here. Montgomery is starting to make a believer in me. Five innings and two and run runs against Toronto back in May was promising. He's been very good against some, some kind of pedestrian offenses lately, but. But keeps on doing what he's doing. he's been he's been great for the Yankees all season long. As you mentioned, the Jays against lefties, one thirty two weighted runs created plus. that's second best in the league. And stripling, you know, he was he's kind of bounced back and forth from the rotation to the bullpen. He's made two straight starts now. He was great in both of them. However, those two starts were against the Royals and the Tigers. Arguably the two worst offenses in baseball, at least, I mean, the Tigers are definitely the worst historically bad. Royals are way down there. I'm going to wait, see if there's uh, some juice coming on the Yankees. Um, Obviously, a very public team. Montgomery's been as good as he is. I think that Jay's number might come down, maybe closer to plus money range. And if it does, I'm going to be on Toronto. But otherwise,
2: this is a stay away spot for me. And it's worth reiterating the Yankees are still playing. At roughly a 120 game win pace, they are on pace to break the all time single seasons win record. So at some point, they're gonna have a losing streak. At some point, they will take a dip and you will find a nice little profit run betting against the Yankees. But for right now, they just don't seem to lose. All right, moving on, our other
1: matchup of the day, uh, a playoff rematch from last year, an ALDS rematch that uh, I, I would rather not remember. The White Sox-Nastros opened a three-game set in Houston. I will not be making the three-hour drive down from Austin for this one. I did that last year for a four-game set, and the White Sox were swept, so I'm staying away this year. Hope to bring uh, bring the White Sox a little bit of good luck. And it's a great pitching matchup. It's an Apple TV-plus game. Lucas Giolito against Framber Valdez. White Sox plus 140 underdogs, Astros at minus 160 with the total of eight. I know it opened at seven and a half last
2: night. So going up. Zarilla, where do you see value in this one? Yeah, I bet the overs last night, about the first five over four, I bet the full game over seven and a half. I don't love them at four and a half and eight, respectively. I projected these at 4.4 and 8.15. That said, it is an Apple TV game. So maybe we get some juice balls in there. The key is whether the Astros leave the roof open because there is wind blowing out. If they leave it open, if it's closed, I think the totals are about right. If it's going to be open, I might bump this up a little bit higher and you might find value betting on the over still. But what I really like here at current levels is the Astros, both first five and full game, first five to minus 180, full game to minus 165. I laid the juice on both of those. Frambois Valdez continues to be a unicorn, 66% ground ball rate, which if the wind is blowing out and the dome is open, will certainly help him because he's not going to get hurt by the home run ball nearly as much as a guy like Lucas Giolito, who has the highest hard hit percentage of his career. Has a home run problem this year, highest zone contact rate since before his breakout, highest zone contact rate since 2018. So he's getting squared up. His expected indicators are all over the place. 4.7 X Fib and Sierra closer to 3.3 because of his strikeout and walk numbers. But I've watched a number of his starts. He's gotten very fortunate with strike zones and opposing umpires that he's had behind the plate for him. He's definitely been the beneficiary of some good umpiring for him in his favor. And this White Sox team is still really banged up. No Yasmani Grondel, no Tim Anderson, obviously is still out, but even guys... We're playing like Johan Moncada have a fifty WRC plus and are really struggling this year. I know he homered last night, but this White Sox team is banged up. The Astros are surging. I show value on the Astros both halves and I laid the juice. I'm cautiously optimistic about
1: the White Sox offense. I know it was the Tigers, but they did heat up quite a bit over the week. They beat up your guy Alex Faeo the other day. Johan Moncada had a five hit game, including that home run. So. Uh, His stroke is looking a lot better. He's also seeing the ball better. You can just tell from his at-bats that, you know, when he's controlling the strike zone, which is one of his uh, best attributes, you know, that a hot streak is coming. And that's kind of what it looks like is coming from him. So I am kind of cautiously optimistic about the White Sox offense here, even without Grandal, without Anderson. Anderson's on rehab right now. So he should be back soon. And, I'm with you on the over here. I still like it at eight. However, I also grabbed it at seven and a half last night. The White Sox are still the league's best offense against lefties. Despite all of their struggles this year, they're still tops in weighted runs created plus right ahead of Toronto. From Brevaldez with that ground ball rate is very promising, but they are without Jeremy Pena right now on the injured list. So, might hurt their infield defense a little bit. I think that the White Sox should be able to get to a lefty in Valdez. And on the other side, you mentioned Giolito, kind of been helter-skelter all year. The other thing about Valdez, though, is that when he struggles, it's with the walks. That's when he runs into trouble offensively. The White Sox have the second worst walk rate in the majors right now. But as I mentioned, is starting to see the ball better. I think that they're getting a little bit more patient in the plate. And Tim Anderson, for all that he... Kind of stirs the drink for the White Sox offense. He's one of the more aggressive hitters, so they actually take a little bit more walks. I'm not saying their offense is better with Danny Mendick or Leary Garcia in there, but they are a little bit more patient offense there. So I think the Astros will get to Gilito. We don't know what we're going to expect out of him, and the White Sox offense against Valdez definitely a good offensive spot over seven and a half. Like I mentioned, I bet last night I would still take you over eight.
0: Oh, look out!
1: Uh oh. You think you're
0: safe over there on deck, but you're really not.
1: Moving on, other games we want to discuss on today's slate, I'm going to throw it to you, Zerillo. First, I know you have a trio of games, including one end of that Phillies-Nationals doubleheader.
2: Yeah, I mentioned on our Tuesday podcast that I generally don't bet the full game line for the second game of doubleheader unless I see a big edge. And I do see a big edge on the Nationals in game two of the doubleheader. Bailey Falter going against Juan Espino. Espino is... A journeyman, but he's actually been pretty effective for the last two years. He shows the metrics comparable to what could be a number four starter. Um, Bailey Falter in the rotation this year in the low fives. So definitely a bit concerning. The Phillies are just hotter than hot right now. They're an absolute wagon. I am struggling to bet against them. I'm not betting against them in game one with Yohan Adan, who I think is worst to ever do it. But I do like the under 10 and a half here as well. You can bet that to minus 115. We have an aggressive cross-breeze here. I don't know if it's eventually going to turn and start blowing out to right field, but it shouldn't impact the total based on where it's blowing at this point. Obviously, it could change later in the day. But the Nationals down to plus 120 in either half is certainly a play for me. The question is, does Juan Soto sit out for game two? Does he play game one, sit out for game two? I'm assuming he's going to sit for game one. Coming off of a night game, his first game back in a few days, Probably sit game one and play game two. They'll give him that extra afternoon to rest. So keep your eye on the lineups. If Soto doesn't play, I'll probably end up buying off of that. Or it might just still be a break-even play for me because I do view Espino as the better pitcher. Braves and Cubs, another game with win. This one is blowing in. It triggered our Wrigley Field unders system that we have on Bet Labs. I projected this around 7.75 on the total. Like it under 8 to minus 106. And then I also bet the Cubs in both halves here as well. Anytime you get a team like the Braves who are on a 14-game winning streak, the Cubs who are on a 10-game losing streak, you could probably figure out where my money is going to go because you know all the public money is going to be on the team on the winning streak. Charlie Morton showing his highest expected indicator since he was back with the Pirates. Highest hard hit percentage of his career. Highest home run rate since 2010. He's just getting squared up. He's struck out more batters lately, but his curveball has been very inconsistent. Seems to not have a feel for it at some points of the game. Definitely has a feel for it at other points of the game. So, considering the wind is blowing in, that might help him tonight because the home run ball is less likely to come. But I think the Cubs are definitely the value side. Plus 143 in either half on the Cubs is a bet for me. I have to win at some point. And then the Giants and the Pirates, Zach Thompson, another guy whose expected indicators are in the mid-fours, probably better pitcher than you might think just based on He's a Rand guy who pitches for the Pirates. Acquired him for the Marlins last year. He actually had good numbers with the Marlins as well. The Pirates down to plus 163 against Carlos Rodon here is a play for me. And then another game where the wind is blowing out. The over seven and a half, I bet last night, you could still bet it up to eight at minus 103. Just there's, there's so many games, as you mentioned, where the wind is either blowing out or in today. A couple of cross breezes like the Nationals, but this is definitely another over game based on the wind patterns.
1: At Cubs Braves, actually, I I think I read yesterday, first time since 1999 that a team on a 10-plus game winning streak faces a team on a 10-plus game losing streak. So no surprise there that you're on the Cubs. I'm with you on the Cubs. I I actually am a big fan of uh, Keegan Thompson. I think that he's one of those underrated uh, pitchers on a bad team that I'm looking to target in the right spot. That's also one of our, our few afternoon games here. Uh, Phillies Nationals game one, Cubs Brave starts at 220
2: Eastern. So, And you just see yeah. how much the in, the wind influences the totals at Wrigley. Two days ago, it was 12 and a half. Yesterday, it was 10 and a half. And today, we're down to eight with Charlie yeah. Morton struggling. And, you know, at a, on a normal day at Wrigley, this total should probably be closer to eight and a half, nine. So it, depending on the wind, you could either be getting course field level environments at Wrigley, or you could be getting city field level environments. And the Cubs for
1: all their struggles, they've been a, a better offense this year than I would say uh, I expected them to be. It's been their pitching. That's been an issue throwing guys like Wade Miley out there. Marcus Stroman's hurt again. I've got a couple of games that I'm going to throw out there for you, Zarrillo. Uh, I'm going to start in Los Angeles, guardians, Dodgers. Both of my games are West coast, actually. Guardians-Dodgers is Zach Plesac against Clayton Kershaw, and Zach Plesac has been one of my favorite pitchers to fade for a while. I know Kenny Ducey has been with me on that train. Plesac has actually been pretty good lately. However, his recent starts and his recent success have come against the Athletics, Orioles, and Royals. Anytime he faces a good offense, he generally gets beat up. He's been beat up this year by the Astros, Padres, and Angels. He has a 6.07 XERA to go along with his 4.70 ERA. So definitely fade worthy for me going forward. Clayton Kershaw on the other end, second start back from the IL, kind of mixed results last time out. I expect him to be stronger, be able to pitch deeper into the game. The Guardians have the sixth worst weighted runs created, plus against lefties this this season at 88. We went to this on Tuesday, Dodgers minus one and a half against the Angels. They they eked out a, a two to nothing victory. Brendan was, uh, Brendan Glass our, our usual host, was was messaging me on Twitter. We were, we were both sweating that one out together. The Angels had the bases loaded, and think like one out in the ninth, and the, the Dodgers were able to pull it out. And I'm going back to the well again today. Fading police act. Dodgers run line, minus one and a half. In the minus 125 to minus 130 range right now, I would bet that to minus 135. Other West Coast game I'm going with tonight, Twins Diamondbacks. Devin Smeltzer against Madison Bumgarner. Uh, Smeltzer's been someone that I've been trying to target and fade for most of this season. He's been defying projection since he entered Minnesota's rotation because of injury. Still has a 2.38 ERA, but a 3.76 XERA and a 4.91 XFIP. He threw a quality start his last time out. All three runs that he allowed were home runs, so he is prone to the home run ball. Arizona's terrible against lefties. The Twins are worse against lefties, but still slightly above average. And Madison Bumgarner is someone who started the year pretty good, but has been very fadeable. I like the Twins offense, even against a lefty here. And I think Arizona's offense is going to hit Smeltzer. I'm not going to read too much into their lefty numbers when they're facing a below average pitcher. Arizona, obviously a good hitters park. We're not going to have to worry about the wind, probably, if the roof is closed. But all of that adds up to another overplay for me. I just think... Smeltzer is someone due to get hit around. Bumgarner gets hit around almost every time out. Minnesota's offense, Byron Buxton on fire right now. Over
2: nine is a play for me in Twins Diamondbacks. So I bet the Dodgers' first five line, I like that up to minus 267. I'm with you on Kershaw against Plesak. Kershaw showing his best metrics since 2016, 2017. Um, Coming back from... Injury off the last start, I'm willing to give him a pass for his worst start of the season. And Pleszak, as you mentioned, his X indicators are not good. He doesn't get swings and misses in the zone. And the Dodgers do not chase pitches outside of the zone. So I don't really see him having much success against their offense. Very top-heavy offense. But that said, the Dodgers are about as good as it gets offensively, even top to bottom, despite the fact that their top three hitters sort of outclass the rest of their lineup. As far as the Twins and D-backs go, actually would have leaned to the under. I projected this at 8.8. I'm likely going to pass unless it moves to nine and a half. I have so much trouble bringing myself to bet an under at a Madison bum burner start. So, likely <laughs> a pass for me on the total.
1: All right. Before we get out of here today, let's go to our best bets.
0: Are you going to place a
1: bet or what? They never quit. It's unbelievable.
0: It's kind of the game within the game here.
1: Zerillo, we brought it back on Tuesday, one of our best days of the year. I mentioned that Dodgers-Angels sweat at, I think, like 1 a.m. Eastern, them sweating that out. It was a 4-0 day for us. We're up to 28, 32, and 7 overall. We absolutely killed it. Let's keep the momentum rolling today.
2: Give me your two picks. Yeah, we had an Orioles plus 170 in there, too, I believe. So I already mentioned the Nationals game two. You do need to keep an eye on the lineup. See if Juan Soto is playing game one. If he is, there's a chance he's probably not playing game two, vice versa. I expect him to be in there for game two. So the Nationals first five line down to plus 120. You can get plus 140s out there currently. I would bet that now, if he's out of the lineup, you can probably still cash out your bet or you could just buy out of it later at a small loss. My other bet, a game that we haven't talked about yet, Tarek Skubal and the Tigers, minus 120 on the first five money lines. still minus 120 at DraftKings and FanDuel. That is where I would bet the number up to. I wouldn't go past it. I bet this last night at minus 105. You see the amount of market love for Skubal every time he starts. A lot of expected indicators. He's a top five pitcher in baseball this year. He's tremendous. He's gone from a guy who had a 27% ground ball rate two years ago, figured out his pitch mix midway through last year, started going and slider more heavily throwing those two fifty percent of the time this year. Those are our two best ground ball pitches, throwing a ground ball 47% of the time. Now his X indicators are all under two and a half. And John Gray is about a run worse in the high threes. Or I should say school is all below three. John Gray's are all in the high threes around 3.75. So I make school about a run better. The tigers can't score. You mentioned their struggles offensively. They're the worst offense and runs per game since the 1940s at this point. That said, Scoobble maybe wins this one-nothing, maybe wins it 2-1. The market is consistently moving his direction, 15 cents overnight. Still like it at minus 120. It's up at minus 130 at a bunch of books, and that's right where I projected it is minus 130.
1: I stared at that Rangers-Tigers line for a long time, but I just couldn't bring myself to bet on the worst offense since, the league was integrated. I, I love scoobal as well. The uh, man, the tiger's offense right now is, is something else.
2: And their yes. bullpen is supposed to be solid and, and they blew it with two outs in the ninth last night. I was on the Rangers. That's their one thing that has been good this year is their bullpen. Yeah. And I Gregory feel like every Soto. time Gregory Soto comes in, it is an absolute sweat. <laughs> My two best bets today
1: are also one that I've talked about and one I have not. White Sox Astros over eight. I already mentioned Astros against the Helter Skelter Giolito, I think, and the White Sox against left-handed pitching and Valdez. I think there's going to be plenty of offense in Houston tonight. You mentioned the roof question. Based on the weather reports down here in Texas, I would very much expect that roof to be closed even still. I like the over there. The other one we have not talked about yet. It's Brewers Reds. Eric Lauer against Hunter Green. Lauer has kind of come back down to earth a little bit. He was rocked by the Washington Nationals of all teams last time out. Lefties are the stronger platoon side for the Reds. They're below average offensively against both sides, but 95 weighted runs created plus against lefties. A lot closer to league average and given Lauer's regression, both in the strikeout and contact department. I think Cincinnati's offense can get to him a bit. And this is another wind game. It's blowing out to right center at 10 plus miles an hour at the Great American Ballpark, which is already a very good hitter's park. Lauer's ground ball rate is also just 32.3%. So with all the success he's been having, when he allows contact, it's often in the air. I think that is going to lead to some homers for Cincinnati's offense. The other side, Hunter Green, also a big fly ball pitcher, 26.8% ground ball rate. He obviously misses a ton of bats. He's one of the most fascinating pitchers to watch in all of baseball. He misses a ton of bats, but when the contact is made, it's loud. He can have a game where he only goes four innings and allows six earned runs, but also strikes out eight somehow. Very fascinating to watch. The Brewers have been very cold lately, but I think they're going to make plenty of contact against green. Both pitchers being fly ball pitchers, the wind blowing out, great American ballpark. Give me the over. It has been I mean, the books have factored this in, obviously, nine and a half. I think we're going to fly over that total today. So Brewers Reds over nine and a half.
2: That's my other best bet today. Yeah, I bet over nine last night. It did move up to nine and a half today. I projected it at 9.8. If it comes back down to nine, you can take it up to minus 120. I don't love it as much at nine and a half because you lose the push probability. But as you mentioned, wind out, it seems like it sets up for an over game. Green has been good lately, though. I think he's he's definitely figured some things out. And uh, I mean, we've we've seen him perform very enigmatically throughout this season. So perhaps some hard contact for the Brewers tonight, that ball flies out.
1: That'll do it for us today on Payoff Pitch. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. As a reminder, we come to you every Tuesday and Friday during the season, breaking down the slate. For Sean Zarillo. I'm Colin Whitchurch. Good luck with your bets and have a great weekend.
0: Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave.